Legend has it. Quote, the execution wheel was typically a large wooden spoke wheel, the same as was used on wooden transport carts and carriages, sometimes purposely modified with rectangular iron thrust attached and extending blade like from part of the rim. The primary goal of the first act was the agonizing mutilation of the body, not death. Therefore, the most common form would start with breaking the leg bones. To this end, the executioner dropped the execution wheel on the shin bones of the convicted person and then worked his way up to the arms. Often sharp-edged timbers were placed under the convict's joints. Unquote. Sounds pretty brutal, right? <laughs> Well, it gets worse with second act, my friends. Quote, in the second act, the body was braided into another wooden spoked wheel, which was possible through the broken limbs or tied to the wheel. The wheel was then erected on a mast or pole like a crucifixion. After this, the executioner was permitted to decapitate or garrote the convicted if need be. Alternatively, fire was controlled under the wheel, or the wheeled convict was simply just thrown into a fire. Occasionally, a small gallows was also set up on the wheel, for example, if there were a guilty verdict for theft in addition to murder. Since the body remained on the wheel after execution, left to scavenging animals, birds, and decay, this form of punishment, like the ancient crucifixion, had a sacral function beyond death. According to the belief at that time, this would hinder transition from death to resurrection. Unquote. Augustine Jean Fresnel, 
the inventor of the Fresnel lens, something that I mention quite often in my series of Lighthouse episodes. Sadly, he suffered much of his life from tuberculosis, and he finally passes away from it at 39 years old. As he deteriorated, time was running out for the young man, obviously, and eight days before his death, he whispered the words, The most beautiful crown means little when it is laid on the grave of a friend. I really like that. I think that would make a good epitaph, really. His does not say that. It just says to the memory of Augustine Jean Fresnel, member of the Institute of France. It's really hard to say just how many lives had been saved throughout time because of the Fresnel lens. Joseph Croce Spinelli and Theodore Civil were sadly killed while conducting a balloon trip back in 1875. They were on a mission to beat the standing record, an experiment with the use of oxygen at such heights. Before perishing, they managed to make it to 28,000 feet. Their monument shows the two men hand in hand beneath a draped shroud. And speaking of balloons, Sophie Blanchard, the first female balloonist, is also buried here. Not only was she the first ever female balloonist, but she was also the first to die in an aviation accident. Blanchard was quite the warrior in the air. She had conducted over 60 flights. She had dealt with a lot, really, including experiencing freezing temperatures, and she at least one time almost drowned when her balloon crashed into a marsh. There are a number of times where she actually lost consciousness during a flight. Sadly, it would be during one flight in 1819 during an exhibition in the Tivoli Gardens located in Paris that she decided to launch off a series of fireworks, which proved to be extremely fatal. They unfortunately ignited the gas in her balloon, and the balloon crashes into the roof of a home, which she falls to her death. And ten years before her own death, her husband, Jean-Pierre Francois Blanchard, is up in the air in his balloon when he suffers a heart attack. He falls from the balloon, and it's about a year afterwards that he died due to his injuries from that fall. Edith Piaf. She was a woman of many talents. She was not only a singer and a songwriter, but she also was a much-adored and beloved actress. And it was during World War II that she was the most popular entertainer in France. To this very day, she continues to be one of the most visited burials here, and that's no easy feat considering how many rest here eternally. Félix Francois Fiard, he was the president of France from 1895 up until his death in 1899, and it's believed that he was having a rather good time with his very much younger mistress, and he dies doing what he loved, apparently. His life-size statue lies on top of his tomb looking ever so tired and exhausted. Others buried here include William Temple Franklin, who happens to be Benjamin Franklin's grandson, Oliver Wilde, the poet and playwright, of course, and then we have Philip Astley, the father of the modern circus. You know, just from looking at pictures, I could see that there are some pretty unique graves here, and I would like to talk about a few of them. Victor Nuar. Google image his headstone, okay? Victor N-U-I-R, Nuar. 
and you will see the life-size sculpture of a man lying down. Victor, he was a very well-known and respected journalist for a Republican newspaper. This was obviously during the time that Napoleon III was ruling France, and the family saw his work as disrespectful, and they were very threatened by his words. He is then challenged to a duel, a duel that he would not live to see the end of, unfortunately. Now, proving very much fatal, he was found with five bullets in his body. You see that photo that I told you to look up? That's the exact position that he was found in when he died ever so suddenly on that fateful day. And according to Little House of Horrors, quote, In life, Victor was a notorious playboy. And even though he's been dead for a while, that doesn't seem to keep the ladies away. The creator of his statue made sure that, how shall I say this decently, his phallus was displayed in an obvious excited state. Rubbing it will guarantee a pregnancy. And if you kiss the lips, rub his phallus, and place a rose near his head, you'll surely have an amazing sex life. In fact, you'll get pregnant that very same year. Unquote. <laughs> I have to laugh looking at the picture of this funeral statue as the groin area, you could tell, is a different color. Like it's been rubbed vigorously, <laughs> super clean. So there we go. But what is no laughing matter is the way how Victor died. He was killed by Prince Pierre Bonaparte, who happened to be Napoleon's great nephew. Victor, it is said, was originally buried in a different cemetery, but was eventually exhumed and moved over to Père Lachaise. It was during this time that somebody supposedly witnessed Victor's ever-so-distraught brother, Louis, remove the skull from his fallen brother. Louis claims that the head spoke to him, but would not share what the message was. Either way, that's creepy. Another interesting gravesite to check out is Franz Kleidatz, who died in more recent of times back in 2012. She was a French pianist and was loved by so many people. Her burial location says it all. On top of the plot is a beautiful piano, and off to the side is a gorgeous bed of flowers. And one more that I want to talk about is Theodore Garricault. He was a well-known and quite talented painter who dies at the young age of 32. When you go to his tomb today, you can see what is considered his best piece of art he created during his short lifetime, known as the Raft of Medusa. This was done by sculptor Antoine Atex. Lying on top of his tomb is also a life-size statue of him. It's pretty neat looking. Chase is home to several phenomenal monuments as well. We have the Monument to the Dead, created back in 1895 by the ever-so-talented sculptor Albert Bartholome, which is home to the cemetery's very own catacombs. According to Paris Discovery Guide, quote, an ossuary or a common grave containing the bones of Parisians from all over the city, as well as abandoned tombs at, at Père Lachaise itself. When it gets too full, bones are removed, cremated, and then returned as ashes. It is believed that the remains of at least two million people are stored here, unquote. Other monuments includes victims of catastrophic aerial accidents, 
foreign soldiers who died for France during the Second World War, and so many incredible others. Then we have, you know, of course, the Communards Wall, where all the executions took place there. So they're all scattered all throughout the burial grounds. Now it's time for a forbidden love story forever connected to the cemetery. Heloise, she was a lovely young woman who, while in school, started an inappropriate relationship with her teacher. Don't know if it was like, you know, grade school or high school or, you know, college, whatever. But the two, they were absolutely in love with each other. They knew this type of love was quite forbidden, really. And it still is today. Man, I cannot go like two weeks without seeing a teacher having sexual relations with a young student. And most of these teachers I see are women with husbands and children. It's just like, oh my God. Oh. Back to our love story. They're madly in love with each other and they secretly get married. When the young woman's uncle finds out, he sees red. And I mean, who could blame him, really? Most adults would in that situation. He forbids them to see one another. He forces the girl into a nunnery. And the teacher, Abelard, he becomes a monk. Now, after the separation, it's believed that they never see each other again. Abelard, he dies in 1142. And Hel Louise passes away in 1164. Now fast forward 675 years to the year 1817. The remains of the teacher and student, man and wife really, are exhumed and reunited after hundreds of years of being apart. Forever together now in their tomb at Père Lachaise, a rather beautiful canopy structure. I mentioned a couple of hauntings earlier. Another spiritual resident is the Prime Minister, Aldolf Theirs. Many people who are near or around his tomb experience paranormal activity. Many times people will feel their clothing being tugged, pulled, or yanked. Many believe this to be the Prime Minister Theirs himself. Many folks have seen apparitions roaming throughout the cemetery grounds and see strange balls of light hovering around the graves. And why not, my friends, end this episode with a spooky mausoleum challenge? Ooh! <laughs> Russian Baroness Elizaveta Alexdrovna Demidova was an aristocrat coming from the Stroganov family. She dies in 1818 at the young age of 40, and in her will, she offers one lucky person a huge piece of her inheritance. She has no clue who this person is. There's no such thing as easy money, at least not in this situation. In order to get that inheritance, one brave soul needs to spend an entire year living in the mausoleum with her corpse. Now, that is crazy. I think even a week would be a lot. There are three people who attempted to do this challenge and they could not leave the mausoleum itself and the food that they were to eat would be delivered to them via a bucket. And it's said that the people who tried this ended up going insane. No shocker there. I probably would have too. They would go stir crazy. I'm sure it was hard being separated from family and friends and hell, just the public in general. 
With no one but the deceased Baroness to keep them company, eventually they shared that they begin to hear sounds that they could just simply not explain or maybe just not comprehend. They also started seeing things as well. Don't know if it was their eyes playing tricks on them or just with the whole going crazy thing, but hearing things, seeing things, no bueno, no bueno. 205 years later, no one has been able to complete this year-long challenge. And I don't even know if the inheritance is still up for grabs. Many have seen a lady in white apparition roaming close to the mausoleum, and many believe this to be the Baroness herself. Her mausoleum is one of the largest in the cemetery. And that, my friends, again, is no easy feat. This week's special city shoutouts go to Hawthorne, California, Dehradun, India, Chatham, Illinois, Horseshoe Bay, Texas, Star City, Arkansas, and Malmo, Sweden. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Listen to the others. They are all phenomenal. Haven't heard every single one yet? No need to worry about it. Just head on over to any of those awesome podcast platforms such as Spotify, Podcast Republic, Downcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, basically wherever you may roam to hear your other spooky podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Brothers Podcast lurking in the background. Thanks, everybody, and we will see you next week.